This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Into right, well hit. Back at the wall. It's off the wall. One run scores. Here comes Berkman. Freeze has tied it. 7-7. Unbelievable. I'm just saying, if you don't have chills after listening to that, you might not be a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Hello, welcome to the program. It's the Cardinals Insider Podcast. My name is Brett McMillan. That's David Freeze tying game number six of the 2011 Fall Classic 7-7 with that famous triple in the ninth inning against the Texas Rangers. And of course, you know what happened two innings later. A St. Louis native immortalized in St. Louis baseball history, and not just one of the greatest World Series performances in Cardinals history, but in baseball history. That postseason, that World Series, unbelievable for David Freeze. He joins Dan McLaughlin. Let's get right to it. Danny Mack and David Freeze on a Cardinals town hall here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Well, welcome into our video Zoom. We've been doing this on uh, Wednesday nights, kind of a town hall meeting. We've had John Mosellock, we've had Mike Schilt, and now we get the 2011 World Series MVP, David Freeze. And this is presented by Budweiser, Wells Fargo, Shelter Insurance, Scott Credit Union. Um, I know it's been a busy day for many of our employees that are uh, at the Cardinal offices today because some of the announcements with tickets. But first and foremost, um, happy birthday, by the way, to David Freeze. And good to be with you. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right, Dan. How you doing? Where do we find you? I, by the way, I'm doing great. But where do we find you right now? <laughs> Uh, just down in Austin. I'm on the front porch of, of the house that we're renting out. Um, so I just got out here, get away from the family and, and hang out with everybody for the next hour or so. So you were telling me before we got on this, you're, you're hanging out at the mother-in-law's house. Yeah. Okay, so, so this is what happens when you're a big time World Series. <laughs> you get to go hang out at, at the mother-in-law's house. Yeah, it's family time, right? It's family <laughs> time. Yeah, we're, uh, we're renovating our house um, a couple neighborhoods north. and um, you know, we just kind of jumped in with her while this finishes up. And, you know, it works because obviously, look at this cat. This is what the, the neighborhood cat. This isn't even, this isn't even our cat. Um, <laughs> that's unbelievable. That's but, awesome. yeah, we're just, yeah, we're staying here, um, you know, till the house gets finished. But it's been, you know, it's been great with the, with the virus and everything. Um, just kind of all hanging out and uh, taking care of each other. So it's cool. Does that cat have a name? No, we need to name it. Won't go away. We fed it once, and now now she just sticks around. But she's she's great. So I don't know. We'll keep her out of the way. Does it make you think of Jim Hayes, the cat? I mean, I'm sure you <laughs> always, cat. always. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's why I lock the doors. <laughs> well, you you look great. I I know you Thanks. have a a little guy in the house, and yeah. you got another one on the way, right? So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Early June, if everything goes according to plan, Marin's due in um, first week of June. So, um, yeah, add add one more, another another boy, and we'll uh, we'll get going with that. 
what what's so, it like uh what's it like being a dad for you and, and kind of being out of baseball now and obviously family time for everybody what, what's that been like well uh Marin's working now so I get you know full-fledged understanding of what it's like to be a mom and <laughs> so you think you think you appreciate it before you you have to take care of your kid eight hours a day yeah, exactly um, it's it's unbelievable it's man but being home, being with the family, um, kind of the mental freedom of uh, from baseball. Um, it's it's been nice, you know. I was sitting around all winter thinking about what it's going to be like to watch all my friends play and and this and that. And you know, you find out that nobody's playing, and so you wasted all those thoughts. Yeah. But um, it's just crazy times, obviously. But you know, we're enjoying the the downtime and being around each other. Are you happy to be, I guess, officially retired? I mean, is that something that no matter what, if the Cardinals came and said, okay, we need a bat in September, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but that's not going to happen, huh? No, I don't, no, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm staying in shape just because I like staying in shape. But, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I don't – I think missing playing will, will happen eventually. Um, but I don't have that right now, but I miss the guys. Like I missed February, that feeling of spring starting, getting around all the dudes and just hanging out and, and working out and stuff. So that that's like the, the most crushing thing about it is um, just not being able to cut it up with everybody on a daily basis. Were, were you finding yourself like texting guys and them texting you and calling each other back and forth? And, and was that happening for you in spring training? Yeah, yeah, I got pretty close with the Dodger guys, just, um, you know, just getting over there and hanging out with them. And so those were a lot of the guys I would catch up with. But, you know, I have guys from the Cardinals and then, the, you know, the Pirates and stuff that you just kind of keep up with and uh, hit up every now and then and, and joke around. But, yeah, I'm going to miss I'm going to miss the clubhouse for sure. I, I was talking with our buddy Joe Pfeiffer, who does just an amazing job running the, the Cardinals alumni and he yeah. said that he had reached out to you early last season when you were playing and your team came through early and he had said, Hey, when, when that happens, when you retire, you know, we'd love to get you involved in the organization. You've kind of made a conscious decision that even though you played with different teams, that it's still home St. Louis and Cardinals and the organization that's, that's home for David freeze, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I try and think about, if I didn't grow up there, how would I feel about, you know, all the teams I played for and this and that. And, but I think it, a lot of it just comes down to what type of organization St. Louis has. And, you know, the, obviously the, the personnel is a little different, but the foundation is the same. The, the fans are the same, just the love for the organization, the history of it. Um, but then you add in, you know, it's hometown team, you know, all, all the history that you learn about growing up. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a Cardinal and, you know, obviously when I got traded, I kind of joke around that I kind of just vanished <laughs> for <laughs> five or six years, but that's what I needed to do. Like, I just, I, I just couldn't handle things the way a lot of people can handle things. And I just, I, would I have done things differently? Probably, you know, if I go back, but I just wasn't ready, like, um, to just do things the way maybe I should have. Um, but you know, just, the idea of retiring and kind of getting back into some Cardinal stuff and, and being a part of that organization a little bit, um, that's exciting to me. And the fantasy camp, by the way, if we have it, let's keep it fingers crossed. Yeah. But, but Joe is telling us in, in September that's coming up and you're going to be kind of the signature figure with that and a chance to mingle with fans and get back in uniform. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you're looking forward to that. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to – Here's cat. the cat again. We're going <laughs> to um, – 
yeah, I don't know what the deal is with with the September camp, and I'm looking forward to it. Joining joining up with the guys up there and and having fun for a few days, and then, you know, the fantasy camp next year in Jupiter. You know, I think there's maybe a 2011 theme, so to speak, for it. Um, and so I'm gonna you know run down there and hang out for the week. So that'll that'll be cool. I just hope, obviously, safety first. But I hope everything can kind of somewhat get back to normal. Um, you know, there's rumors of the season that might go on this year. That'll be that'll be great for everybody. Well, it leads me to this. And by the way, we have a, a chat option here on the Zoom. So if, if fans want to ask you a question, they can. And this was uh, from Matthew Levison. He is 12 years old. He says, hi, David. I'm 12 years old. Met you in 2011. I was almost four. I was at Game <laughs> 7 of the World Series in 2011. You've been my favorite player ever since. I'm playing baseball, uh, baseball right now for a select team. Was wondering what you think of new division and playoff proposals. Happy birthday, too. Thank you, Matthew. Um, good question. So yeah, we're all kind of reading these things. What, what do you think of, of some of these proposals and what do you think uh, your teammates and former teammates would think about that? Yeah. Well, first off, way to catch a game seven at the age of four. <laughs> that's, Not a bad. Good, that's a good start. Not um, bad. Yeah. I, I actually think it's going to bring kind of another exciting element to it, mixing up the divisions. Um, you know, how that will work. I don't know, but to, to have the rivals, I think they're saying the rivals, the city rivals will probably stick around each other, obviously. Um, but then adding some some teams that maybe have bad blood, um, you know, here and there, they're going to join up and play each other a lot more. Um, you know, the game's always trying to make things more interesting. You know, that's just the way it is right now. And um, you know, with the with the virus, you know, still going on, you just kind of add some more elements to it. So I think it's it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be. I don't know if things clear up by the time playoffs start, but that'll be very interesting if there's no fans during the playoffs. That, that'll be a little weird. Yeah. How do you think guys would, would be able to play if there's no fans? But, and by all accounts, that's kind of where we're going, at least right now. What do, what do you think yeah. you like? That's just a whole nother – oh, I don't know. That's just a whole nother thing to focus on. Because, um, like, if you go into – like, San Fran was a big place for me where when you go walk out to stretch, you're ready just by the aura of the fans, like, you know, Boston was like that, um, you know, St. Louis, I guess for me, cause you, know, you, you don't, but you think you know everybody that's in the seats and so yeah. you get ready for it. But just, it's a, it's a gut check. It's a mind check for a lot of people that have to find a way to get up for a game because the stats matter, you know, all your numbers matter and, and every day is going to count. It's, so when you go into spring training, you know, you, you try, you push and everything, but sometimes the, the, the crowd and stuff doesn't get you going. Um, and that could be a reason why you don't play well. It's just as simple as that. And so, you know, it's just going to be interesting. It's a whole nother um, attitude towards it. Take me back to when you were acquired by John Mosellock and the Cardinals. And for fans that don't know, Jimmy Edmonds actually was traded to a different team. Chicago. So, that's right. The White, the the White, White Sox. Sox. Yeah. And he said no. He had a chance yeah. to refuse it, so he refuses it. So they, he wants to go to the West Coast. They say, okay, San Diego, we got this guy free. And they, hey, Mo and those guys knew all about you. So it wasn't like, oh, just give us the hometown kid. They thought you could be a player. What, cool. Give me the, what happened when that happened for you personally. Do you remember that phone call and what was going yeah. on then? Yeah, I was uh, actually in L.A., outside of L.A., um, at, at a Burger King. And my phone rang. It was a three one four number, and I didn't obviously have it in in my phone. And um, it was Mazalek left me a message. Um, wasn't I don't from what I remember, I you know I knew him, but I wasn't quite sure who he, you know. I just you know I didn't know what was going on. And 
And then Grady Fuson, my farm director from San Diego, called me about five minutes after that. And I had his number, so I knew it was him. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? And, um, you know, I just got traded and called, called Mo back, um, called him John at first, and then that, that ended that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I remember asking, I remember with the first question, because I was a Cardinal fan, like I was, you know, like, I was like, who did I get traded for? And he said Edmonds. And I was like, oh, no, you know, because I was, <laughs> not to think that I was going to go play with the Cardinals right away, obviously, coming out of high A, but I was like, man, maybe I can, you know, I love Jim, Jimmy Ballgame and um, all those guys. And then you start thinking about the possibility of being able to play with guys that, you know, you loved watching. And, uh, and so you know, obviously Mo was like, don't tell anybody this and that. He obviously knew that I was going to call my parents, but I called my parents and I don't think I called anybody else until the next day when it went through. Um, but I was kicking myself. I was just like, this is, this isn't real. Cause you want to get drafted by your hometown team right out of the gate and then you don't, and then you just move on. You know, you don't really know what to expect or anything, but to come back around and get traded, uh, especially before the, your first stint in the big leagues you know that it was cool it was cool I bet and we have now people asking Dan make sure you ask him about his favorite player I would assume it was Ozzie Smith I think from our conversations from years past but correct yeah. me if I'm wrong no it was I grew up playing short um and pitching and you know I guess if you played short you always pitch too but yeah. um just odd I mean it was Ozzie like it was you know I moved to St. Louis I was born in Texas but I moved to St. Louis when I was three um, so kind of grew up, you know, I guess Ozzy's last year was 96 or so and, you know, all those guys. Um, but Ozzy was just that scrapper that um, I love defense. You know, before I hurt my feet, I love defense. And then it was like, oh, great, I got to go play defense. But yeah. uh, it was, uh, yeah, man, it was so much fun running out there trying to be like Ozzy. And, you know, he made it so easy, but um, made it look so easy. But, yeah, he was my guy. How about those first opening – well, the first opening day for you in St. Louis, yeah. and there he is in the red jacket, and you got to shake his hand. Was that just yeah. surreal for you? Yeah, it was cool. Um, kind of getting backstories on all those – on Gibson, Lou Brock, um, all those guys, and then, you know, you're at home plate shaking their hands. Uh, you know, I still – it wasn't until about 2012 when I actually got to play catch with Ozzy in spring, and I was – I mean, I'm 29 by then, maybe. But wait a minute. Now, this is after you did your thing in 2011. Yeah. And yeah, you, I mean, you're, I, I, you're yeah. still getting like that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm for certain that it was after. Um, and he came out to work at, with grounders, and we were just warming up. And I, you know, I played it cool or whatever. But I was, um, man, I was giddy. You know, I was like, you know, playing catch with Ozzy Smith, the, you know, the guy that you grew up, grew up loving. And, um, you know, I would still do that with Scott Rowland if we played catch right now. <laughs> like, as I got – as I – like, Chipper Jones and, and Rowland were my two favorite guys. Not necessarily because I started playing third, but, um, man, I just love those two guys, even from when Scott was in Philly and stuff. And uh, there's just a – there's just a – there's just something else about it when you can just put on two, two mitts and play catch with those guys, you know, some ex-big leaguers. Really so cool. Now you're you're gonna have two boys. Are you gonna get them into baseball, or do you yeah. want them to do different things? What, what are you gonna gravitate towards baseball? What do you think it's gonna be like? Yeah, I mean, I I want them to be happy. I want them to do what you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but you know, kind of open the doors and and show them everything. I think, especially, you know, Marin's working, so I'm gonna be home a lot more and and kind of introduce 
the boys to some things and um yeah like yeah, I can't wait you know right now we're kind of kicking the soccer ball around and, and chucking whatever you're holding you know you got to get a backup tv because you know a tv is going to break sooner Absolutely. Or later. <laughs> so hide a new tv in the garage or something but yeah I mean I can't wait you know and if they're into sports they're into sports if not then you know we move on but there's a lot of kids that you know are into sports then they're not and then they come back to it um this and that or vice versa you know they just hold off on it and then they go catch a game somewhere and they fall in love with it. So you just kind of flow with it and see what happens. This is a good question. We have a nine-year-old asking, do you have any advice for young baseball players my age, a nine-year-old? So uh, that's from David. How, how about, you know, for a guy that's been through a lot of ups and downs and the mental part of the yeah. game, what, what's your advice for it? Have fun, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely have fun. Um, you know, I think it's tough to say don't take it too seriously because – especially as you climb the ladder in the game, that matters. <laughs> like yeah. if you, you know, like your priorities and your focus matters and you can, you can fall through the cracks. And I think the biggest thing that I didn't really learn and I still have trouble with it is just like washing stuff away. Like whether it's five minutes in a day or an O for four or an argument you have with a friend or a wife or whoever. And like, just take care of it and, and wash it. Like just turn the page. I think the sooner as parents, like I think it's that we can teach the kids about your mental, you know, focus or, you know, just towards the game or life, obviously life in general. I think that's just crucial because it shouldn't crush you. Like the, yeah. the baseball shouldn't, cr especially when you're at, you know, Ellisville ballparks and you're 12 years old and, you know, you're rolling over like, you know, that's like a guy like Mike Trout, you know, and it comes from his parents. I watch him and obviously he's extremely successful and he doesn't roll over four times a game or whatever. But like, I think he's successful a lot, a lot because he's so good at the mental side of it. Um, he's just confident and he doesn't kick himself. He just moves on. And I think it, I think it comes from his parents and guys like that that can handle that or, you know, they succeed. And then there's more, there's more room for fun. Like if you can control your mind when things aren't going so hot, um, there's just more room to have a good time. Correct me if I'm wrong. And we're going to get into 2011 a little bit here, but even in your career after 2011, when we were seeing you and you'd be coming up late in games, I'd say, Oh no. Freeze is going to come through here late again because you had the ability to come through when the game was on the line. Mentally, I think you slowed the game down. Is that a fair way to put it? Or how did, you know, why did you yeah. have so much success in those kind of moments? I think, I think one, one thing I was pretty good at, I was ready for those moments before you're even supposed to be. Like, like those moments can catch up really quick and speed things up so if even if you're in the field and you know you're about to hit next inning obviously focus on playing defense but like there's nothing wrong with getting ready sooner than you think you should you know whether you're in the hole um if you're on deck and you're trying to get ready it's too late obviously if you're rolling it's the middle of the season um you know you don't really pay attention to much you just go and go and hit but the the tough thing about the middle of the season is that it can it can speed up on you um and the, I think the postseason is just a little different in the sense that, you know, you know, you get four ABs a night. Um, you only get eight, you know, in two to three days. Um, obviously, they're ex excruciating and, and very important. But, um, you know, I think just being able to know 
yourself and what it takes to slow your game down in your mind, you know, it can go a long ways. Did Big Mac help you a lot with that? Yeah, Big Mac was – he was really good at um, taking care of the younger guys mentally. Um, he had us confident leaving the cage every day. Like, he worked more mechanically uh, with the older guys and this and that. I think he just understood what your – how much your mind mattered um, at 7.15 every night, you know, and, and getting it right before them. Um, yeah, Big Mac, I remember – in 2010 I had a rough 2009 winter um you know getting in trouble and stuff and then we hired Mac and I remember seeing him at the end of the hallway after the winter warm-up uh because Tony wanted me to hit with him just to kind of meet and 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 get going a little bit and my knees were shaking I bet when he when he put that first ball on the tee because it was Mac I mean I was I was in the seats when he hit 500 and 501. He hit him in the same night. And I think that was the same night that Tony Gwynn could have got 3,000, but they it sat was. him. It was Andy Ashby against uh, the Padres were in town when he hit 500, and Gwynn had a chance to get 3,000, didn't get the hit in St. Louis, and then went to Montreal got and got it. Okay, yeah. okay. okay, cool, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Big Mac was with John Jay, Alan Craig. This guy, I mean, you know, we were good ball players to begin with, but I think Mac just added a whole other element that he knew we needed because St. Louis is an organization where if you're young, it's like the Dodgers, like those young guys that come up are ready. Yeah. And it's because of the coaches, it's because of the guys that they draft, but um, there's the, it's tough, man. When you know, and you get called up that like, this is a team that needs you, you know? And so you gotta, you gotta clear the air really quick on being in the big leagues. You gotta get to work. In game, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was – well, it was the Oswald game. You hit a home run against the Phillies. Yeah. And Tony LaRusso said to me one night, he said, I was driving down and was – He was going to bench me. He was going to bench you. He was not <laughs> going to start you. It still gets yeah. you a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then I quickly think of everything that happened. But, um, but I remember I just did that interview with Buster Olney, um, you know, a month or so ago. Uh, on his baseball tonight podcast on Spotify, but uh, and I remember, I remember going to the I was o for like eleven with eight punch outs against Halliday, Hamels, and Lee, you know, to start that series. And so I'm like, okay, we got we got Oswald coming in. I might not play. Like we got Descalso, who we kind of spot started each other all of eleven, um, in a sense. I got hurt for a little bit, but I remember thinking like, okay, be ready that you might not play. And then I ended up being in there and I punched out my first step bat. I remember, and I'm like, here we go here. Oh, this is, this is brutal. But um, I roped a change up, I think down the left field line and something clicked something about my mechanics, my mindset. I became the aggressor a little bit. Um, that's another thing in the postseason. that little bit of, should I? I think even as a pitcher, I would imagine, and a hitter when you're striding, that that little that second guess, you're t- you're done. Yeah, you're, it's not it's not going to work. So you have to find that that balance act of of being the aggressor. And um, and then when I hit the homer off Oswalt later that night to kind of separate us to go to Game Five, my confidence went through the roof <clears throat> um, and just took off. Have you been, I mean, game six is obviously for a personal level, probably any boy's dream, but that game five against the Phillies with Carpenter 
and how have you been a part of a better game than that one? No, no. Um, I wish people, I mean, I don't like how people don't bring enough. <laughs> like it's, it was incredible. Like for call hit the triple. Then I think Schumacher had a 12, 13 pitch app. This is off holiday. Like, I mean, come on, like Carpenter holiday are best friends. They go to, you know, the Amazon every, you know, they would used to go to the Amazon every off season or something after right. the year, you know, but um, incredible first inning, one, nothing. And then Carp just holds them for nine innings and you're in Philly um, to not hear that crowd. <laughs> Pretty good. Awesome. And then all you hear is your family section. Um, just, <laughs> just, just really cool. And my, my, one of my favorite plays of my entire career are, is when Yachty threw out Utley stealing second in the seventh or eight on a, on a curveball from Carpenter and he just hosed him. Um, you know, if people don't remember that, they should look that play up. And then Yachty's just screaming. Yeah. Yachty's my favorite teammate I've ever had for obvious reasons, but um, just an incredible game, incredible game. I'm going to go back to postseason in just a moment, but you brought up Yachty. So I, I've been yeah. wanting to ask you about this um, for many, many years since you've been coming back to St. Louis as an opposing player. And Yachty would step out in front of the plate. Every, yep, you're shaking your head every single time, every time. Not once, not twice. I mean, multiple <sighs> times to make sure you get the ovation. So number one, what was the ovation like? And number two, how much trouble were you giving Yachty and how much trouble was he giving you? <laughs> he's just doing that knowing what type of ovation he's going to get when he comes back after he retires. <laughs> I'm going to make sure he knows no, that. Yeah, no. Um, one of, I mean, it. people won't believe this, but it is up there with doing stuff on the field um, to be in those moments and to have Yachty next to me and initiate the respect there um just really really cool um and then <laughs> humbly it kept ha it kept just kept happening you know every time i go to the plate um it was just almost embarrassing for me i was gonna ask you was it embarrassing Man, uh yeah but it was so cool you gotta love it though <laughs> come on it was, so, it was so cool like it was just um i mean knowing st louis and knowing st louis fans you I don't want to say I expect it the first time, like, but you know, it's coming and to have it just keep coming. And I know fans like, you know, you know, well, we weren't here last time you know, when they did it. So they're going to stand up and this and that, you know, there's reasons to keep cheering, I guess, but um, just really cool to have those moments, not only with St. Louis fans, but with Yachty for sure. What, what did your teammates, so you're, you're coming through with Pittsburgh and, and all of a sudden this stuff happens, and maybe those guys have never really, I mean, they know yeah. it's a baseball town, but then they see this with their teammates. What are they saying to you? I think you, I think you, I think you said it right there. I think it kind of caught some guys off guard. Um, kind of like, whoa, like, you know, you, you not only kind of affected, you know, people's lives. I don't, I'm trying to be you know it's you kind of affect, affected people's lives in this way but this is how they're showing you um I think it caught a lot of people even the Dodgers like you know they they have a great fan base and a roaring crowd and um I think guys you know sometimes start looking at you a little differently in the sense of like okay it's seven eight years later and um man they're still doing this for you like it you know it's I you know I'm losing words like it's just really cool I bet. I, I want to go back then to, we're going to get to game six in a moment, but 
you got what kind of gets overshadowed a little bit was beating the Brewers, and you were the NLCS MVP. I mean, that was a hotly contested rivalry. That was, cool. that, that was yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that was yeah. Good. I bet, I bet, not, like, I bet just being at those games and hanging out and stuff, just, I just can't imagine what being in the seats for those games is like, <laughs> but, um, let alone on the field. But, uh, yeah, they, I mean, we went back, and as you know, we went back, you're announcing these games all year. And, they went back and we went back and forth with them all season, you know, benches clearing a little bit with, you know, Niger Morgan and, and, and this and that. Um, and then they smoke us by like 10 games, I think in yeah. the division. Yeah. And so we have to open up there for the first two. And I think Braun and Fielder went back to back in the first inning, yep. you know, just a fireworks show basically. Um, and so, you know, you just pull your hat down a little more and, and get to work. But that was, an, that was an angry series, and that was so much fun. That was, that was awesome. So you win that. You win the MVP there. And then mm-hmm. let's go now to game six, because I could talk mm-hmm. to you about game six all night. Which, by the way, people – I always talk about on the air when we talk about game six and we have you in town or if we, it just gets brought up on the telecast. The first, like, five or six innings, that was a bad game. <laughs> It was brutal. We made, I mean, I mean, we, uh, we had three years pop up. Hamilton hit a sky. I'm going to say it was really, really high. (laughs) But, um, you got to say that he skied one. I missed it off my head. Um, I think we had a kind of a Texas leaguer in left field that Fuki and holiday ran into each other. And then, um, Salas threw a bunt in in the center field. And, I think Michael Young might have had a couple errors early on, and um, that's another guy that I loved watching. Man, he would like 12 straight years of 100, you know, or I don't know, 15 straight years of 120 hits or something, like just dumb. But yeah, the first five innings was one of the worst games. People were, you could feel it. People were not happy, obviously. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, especially after the pop up, because you're just the whole baseball world is focused on you at the moment I'm like okay this is the pay this is the picture in the paper tomorrow and right I uh, I remember thinking that and obviously it didn't affect me but I just remember thinking that like kind of like oh and then looking up saying we got a half a game left and it's still close it's not like right. it's a blowout but um man it was it was not good it was but that just shows what type of team we had you know from the veterans all the way to the young guys, like the young guys weren't phased, and we weren't necessarily young, you know, but we weren't phased. And, you know, Tony's never phased and the coaching staff and everybody. And um, we just had animals and we had Terrio and Punto and Laird, you know, keeping us loose all year, especially when we're 10 back in September. Um, you know, they did a great job. And Mo made that ridiculous trade in the middle of the year with Rasmus and, you know, three-team deal, and we got some guys, and you get Zepchinski basically to just get Prince Fielder out, and that's right. You get Dotel basically just to get Ryan Braun out, and what did they do? That's who they got out for seven, for six games. Um, so you know, yeah, the first uh, to get back, the first five innings, of the game six were horrendous. When you think back to the triple, uh, by the way, you got birthday wishes from the Texas right fielder. I don't know if you saw that. I, I saw that. I, I responded. I responded back. Somebody, somebody had asked him to do a cameo. And I was like, um, Derek Gould actually texted me, you know, because it was nice of him. Uh, we were actually texting a little bit anyways. And then uh-huh. that popped up. And he, because um, 
he just shot it over just to make sure I had it um, yeah. in case I wanted to respond. And it, and Nelson Cruz is one of baseball's favorite people um, in the game. Everyone loves him. And for him to do that, that was pretty, he must be really bored. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he needs a couple, couple more bucks but um, hey, it's all good it, it was yeah nice. yeah it was yeah, all it was, good it, fun yeah it was really cool that he did that when you look back at that are you still shocked of, of where they're playing you because you were a guy that when right you're taking yeah. the ball to right center and yeah. gets over his head on the triple and it's obviously a great moment just take us through the at bat where he's playing and just what's going through your mind there yeah um I'm on deck, never have faced Feliz before. So I have that going on. Um, you know, simple, stay simple, stay simple. Just, you know, this and that. But uh, I think I, I think I, I took a slider first pitch for a ball and I, and I was, and I was ready for the heater and I was ready to hit. Um, Cause I think we had first and second. I think that's where Albert and Lance were, but uh yeah, I took that first slider and I was like, oh, I see this. Okay, <laughs> we have a shot here. Um, and then I just worked it, worked a good at bat. And the 3-1, I was, I think, 100 low and away for a strike. But I swung, I just like flailed at it, you know. And, um, and I remember stepping out, still composed. And I was just like, he's going to do this again. You know, like he, the way, especially the way I looked on the previous pitch, um, he's just going to chuck this out there. And, uh, and I know that's, you know, arguably where I wanted it and this and that, but it's still imp quote unquote impossible to hit. Um, you know, but I may threw it in the same spot and that was a big reason why, I, why I whacked it. Um, I didn't know where the outfielders were playing. I knew where the infield was, you know, cause when I'm in trouble, I just like to shoot ball, try and shoot balls through and stuff like that. But, um, I didn't know where they were playing, but when I made contact, I was, I, I honestly was like, I hit the, I hit it out. Like I thought I hit it out. And, and then I took a few steps and then I was like, Oh, this is caught. And, and then I remember I lost it, I think. And so I was about to hit first and I hit first and then I heard the crowd and then I saw the ball again, ricochet off and just mayhem. <laughs> um, mayhem. Mayhem. Just, uh, don't get thrown out third. Um, <laughs> this game, this game's tied. This is, this is crazy. This is crazy. So, and, and then Hamilton hits a home run. I mean, there's so many good <laughs> players on both sides in that series. He hits yeah, a home yeah, run right. and you're yeah. thinking, uh, and then all of a sudden you have a chance to come up again. So tell me, let's, let's go through that at bat then and, and, and making sure, and, and you guys were down to your final strike a couple of different times too. And Berkman had the big hit. I mean, there's so many things that happened with yeah, it. Yeah, So much. The home run, just take me through the at-bat and the emotions of it, too. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm out in the field the inning before, and I, I understand that I'm leading off, so it's kind of like the mentality of just get something going. <clears throat> That's how I've always hit anyways. You know, I'm not – when I try and launch, you know, just ground out the third every time or punch out, so that – I never really figured that one out. But um, – trying to figure out this cat. Um, but <laughs> I, I remember, you know, Mark Lowe never faced him, I don't think, before. And uh, so I work like a 3-0 count maybe. Um, and he threw a high heater when it was a ball. I still think it was a ball. Um, and I was furious just because you, you don't want to lead off the inning. You want to get on base. Um, and then I, I took a real aggressive hack 3-1 um, and fouled it straight back. And then um, I was just kind of looking to drive something up the middle, line drive on 3-2, and he – 
you know, he chose not to throw a hundred and he threw a 90 mile an hour, you know, change up. Um, and so I got the barrel out on it and, and clipped it. And, um, you know, I, I said this in the Buster interview that that swing and that pitch was the same swing and pitch that Oswald threw me in that game four. It was, there were two different pitches. It was a, Oswald's was a heater, but man, it, um, I still know what those feel like. Like it was, it was, it was, I don't know. It was funny to me, like, cause I was like, damn, that was the same thing that, that got me going. And I ended up kind of putting the same, I finished differently, but I put the same swing on it. Do you know it was gone immediately? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, home park, um, not that I hit a lot of homers, but you just, you just know, um, obviously it was cold. So you didn't quite know, but I, you know, I had a pretty good idea. Um, and Hamilton, the way Hamilton was running, um, you're like, all right, he thinks this is gone too. So I was just like, holy cow. Now, now what? <laughs> yeah. So, how, how many um, times, how many times do you think you've seen that, that, you know, even the, the full game or just the at bats of the triple and the home run, honestly, yeah, how many times have you seen? I don't, you know, I've never seen the full game. Um, I've just never watched, I've never watched really any of the full games of, uh, I will eventually maybe with my kids or, or some buddies or whatever, but um, I can't even count how many times I've seen. I'll, I mean, everybody like, I mean, Michael Jordan goes go, would go on his, you know, on the computer and watch highlights and dig me se- sessions and everybody does that. So like, yeah, I'll run, I would run back to 11 and, and just have a confidence build up or, you know, whatever, and, and just look at stuff and those hits go in there. Um, you know, we deal with failure, you know, the whole, the whole season. So, you know, you need those moments. I think you got to lift yourself up in anything you do um, in life. But uh, man, I, I don't know how many times that I've, I've, I've seen those, but it's cool when they pop up on commercials and stuff and they, they throw you in with all the other big hits in the postseason, Um And then you're wearing a Cardinal jersey, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just stupid. What do you remember about rounding the bases or even just getting, the shredder was waiting for you. The whole team was waiting for you. What, what do you remember about that? Yeah, um, I remember rounding second base. I remember this. Is, people don't believe this, but I, the night before, I went to uh, Me Ranchito and had Mexican at when the game got canceled with Ryan Mueller, a buddy of mine. And um, we were talking about Edmonds when he hit the game six homer in NLCS. And, um, and I thought of that after I hit it. Um, probably it was just on my mind and just the correlation between the two, but I thinking about that and then telling myself, look into home plate and remember that, you know, remember the guys that were storming the dish out of the dugout. And I'm glad I like caught that image because that's, I think sliding into third and seeing Okendo and, and looking in the dugout. um, That's my favorite hit is the triple probably, but the, 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 the personal viewpoint of seeing home plate before third, getting to third base. Yeah. That that was cool. That was really cool. As crazy as it may sound, um, how has it changed your life? I mean, just that one single game uh, is, it's meant so much to so many people in our town and across Cardinal nation, if you will, and the fan base all across the world. How has it changed your life? Because I, I get goosebumps thinking about it right yeah. now. Um, what's um, it like for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, get personal here, but like growing up, you know, in high school and getting older and having a drinking problem, and you know, I got my second DUI. I got my first DUI when I was at Merrimack. Um, had another arrest in between that, and 
um, the 09 DUI I got. Um, I mean, they're heavy DUIs too. So, you know, it's, it's tough, but that was a moment where I stopped drinking for, for about two years. And, um, I didn't, I didn't drink in 10. I didn't drink in 11. Um, but probably a month or two after the world series, you know, it was just heavy. Everything was heavy. Um, I didn't want the spotlight. I, I just wanted to play ball and be around my teammates and, and this and that. And, you know, I wasn't ready for it. Like, I'm not saying I didn't like it or this and that. I just, I would have, if it happened to me now, you know, my life would have been even more different in a, in a completely different way, <clears throat> just by the, my maturity nowadays and, and this and that. But um, I just started boozing again. Like it was just tough. It was uh, a moment where I kind of said, screw it, let's go, let's relax. And that's how I did it. And so I got back to drinking and, um, you know, I don't drink anymore and I hope I don't drink ever again. But, um, you know, I got back into a little bit and, you know, when 12 happened, you know, I, I, 12 is the best year I had in the big leagues, but you know, you're I'll going through, that <clears throat> yeah, you're going through things that people don't know about. And then, you know, 13 happens. I was a wreck, wreck of a season. Um, and then you get traded and getting traded was, it was tough, but it was, it was something where, um, you know, you know, it should happen. It needs to happen. You know, even a business side of it, you know, they're trying to win. They're trying to do their things. They got Carpenter, they got Wong. Um, but the personal side of it was, yeah, I thank him for it. You know, it was, I remember meeting with, with Matheny a week before the trade, um, sat down in a, one morning um, and kind of got the, got to, got the ear that it was going to happen. Um, broke down crying, you know, like doing the whole one more shot thing, but like, you know, internally I knew that it was a good thing and, and they found a good spot for me. And I, the Angels was a great spot for me. It was a big transition period in my life to try and figure stuff out. I got shot out to Anaheim, <clears throat> you know, um, with a great group. But, you know, I was still going through stuff, still, you know, still doing what I was doing. And, um, and then after that, I just canned it. Like, it was time to, you know, and it was – and this is personal, but, like, it was my wife were in the sense of, like, like, like how dare – do, how dare do I need to live my life a certain way to where she has to live hers differently because I'm screwing up. Like, you know, that's just ridiculous. And, and nobody's perfect. And I might, I'm not going to be perfect the rest of my life or whatever, especially, you know, with whatever, but um, that just got me. Like I read that somewhere and it just got me and it kind of started changing the way I looked at, you know, some things, you know, i still battle with a lot of things. I still battle with not drinking, but it's, you know, it's just going good right now. When I hear you talk like this, I, I hear a coach. I hear a guy that that has a great understanding of the ups and downs of the game and can relate to to players. Is is that something that you've thought about coaching at some level or getting into the game in a different capacity? Yeah, maybe. Um, it takes a lot of time out of your day, especially nowadays. Being in uniform, what coaches especially have to do nowadays um, with analytics and the requirements, you know, that are different than even 10 years ago. I don't know if <clears throat> the dugout will ever be in my future, um, but I want to be around the game in some capacity. And I think I, there's things that I can give off um, to people. But um, right now I'm just enjoying my time, um, my the way where my brain is now, you know, just kind of unloading on baseball and, and moving on a little bit, but, um, it's, you know, baseball is in me. It always will be. And, you know, the Cardinals are for sure. And, you know, I, 
not to disrespect any other team I played for, but I don't see myself doing really anything with any other team. It's just, just how I am. I just love, I just love the Cardinals. So, you know, I, I think I'm pretty sure about this, but you would qualify for the Cardinals hall of fame. Once you're, there's a certain, you know, time period, once you're officially retired, I got a feeling, David, I'm going to go out on a limb here that if you were on the ballot, um, you might be a first ballot hundred percenter. Okay. I'm just gonna say that. But if you yeah. thought about that and what that might be like, because it's for the fans, it's not major league yeah. baseball hall of fame, yeah, it's yeah, for yeah. special people and moments and things that, you know, bring us all back to Cardinal baseball. Have you, have you right. thought about that at all? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I have. Um, do I worry about what happens with that? Absolutely not. Like, you know, those are the things that I can handle that are out of my control. It's, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the other stuff that sometimes gives me problems, but um, yeah, I mean, it'd be a blast. Um, you know, I played five seasons there. I was hurt a lot. You know, I, when I played, I, I did pretty well. Um, you know, obviously 11 and, you know, turned people's perspective around of my, you know, my tenure there. But um, yeah, I think about it. Joining that, that club, you know, that group, um yeah it would be awesome like you know I don't know I don't know what else to say it would be it would be great um but that's not it's not up to me do you still talk to a lot of the Memphis mafia guys Descalso Alan Craig obviously yourself I mean that was a good group of guys do you hear from those guys and what are they doing yeah we'll group text every now and then um and cut it up cut it up randomly um yeah that Memphis time was that was a blast. <laughs> hey, Memphis is dangerous. <laughs> but AutoZone Park is one of the best parks to play in. And, you know, we won the PCL in 09. You know, I got hurt um, in that wreck I got in. And, you know, I, I broke camp, which was cool in 09, but then got sent down. And, you know, I'm glad that happened. Like, I ended up having surgery, but I came back. Um, and we ended up, man, we ran through. We didn't lose a game in the PCL playoffs. Um it was sweet. You know, I think about that all the time. Um, that group, um, just a great group. And, you know, the handful of young guys you call the Memphis Mafia. Um, what, what, a, what a group of guys to do that with. So it's really cool. We have a question here from, let's see, this is Brian in Alton. And he asking about the, he's asking about the 2011 uh, World Series. And when Tony decided to retire, did, did you guys have any inclination no, no. whatsoever? None. No, that's what's crazy. Is people probably don't believe that. Like maybe Albert. I don't believe know. it. Okay. I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, dude. I, I swear, like maybe Carpen, Chris Carpenter or Albert yeah. or yeah, maybe they knew, but literally the feeling in the weight room after, I think it was after the parade, um, we all went in the weight room and Tony told us and like, the gap not the gasp because I think everyone was too exhausted to to react just from the last you know six weeks or whatever but like I we didn't know I I definitely didn't know like it was like it was my reaction was like all right cool man hell yeah like what a what a way to go out but then you start hearing things that he told DeWitt in like July you know or something that that this was going to be it and then everything whether that's true I don't know but like um then everything unfolds the way it did just makes it even, even cooler. But um, definitely was different knowing Tony wasn't going to be there. Um, and Albert, you know, ended up not coming back. Um, you kind of saw that coming, you know, but um, yeah, I had no clue. I don't know if the other guys did the veteran guys, but yeah, we definitely did. 
How many people, I've got a couple more questions. We'll let you yeah, go. Yeah. And, no, and fans are saying, they, they just are loving this. Um, how many people come up to you and want to talk to you, especially in St. Louis? They're like, oh, there's David Freeze. How many people want to come up and, and have a story about, I met my future husband. I met my wife at that game. I, I <laughs> took my, it was my right. first kid's first right. game. You know, just right. a special story and a connection because of you. And how cool right. is that for you? Right. My kid was born nine months after that night, you know, yes. like all, those, all, those, all those stories, but um, a lot of those, I bet. Yeah. But, um, that's the coolest part about it. Like a Midwest town. Um, if you do good things, everyone's going to be cool to you, you know, and that's just kind of the way it is. But like the stories, especially in a town city like St. Louis, where you're somewhat some degree connected to everybody in a way, um, yes. it has its issues, you know, it has its privacy issues and, and this and that, but you, you really can't change it for anything because you want to be connected to people. That's what we're all about. Um, you know, and to hear stories and to hear genuine stories um, from kids, you know, like the older people, I get a kick out of those stories. Like, you know, grandma and grandpa are coming up and like the, just the sweetest people ever, you know, like, um, yeah, when, when people are real genuine, uh, man, there's nothing better than hearing, hearing those stories. And not like nowadays, you know, I'm married and, you know, you have a kid running around and you go back. Like that was a tough part because every, every, almost everywhere, everywhere I went, whether into a store or not, I'm by myself. So there's kind of an easier opening to come say sure. something, which is fine. But um, everybody had so much respect for me when I was there and um, hanging in there when I was going through my, my BS and, and all that. Um, <clears throat> but just, man, from there or not, it's just not a better city to, to do cool things on a baseball field. You know, like it, it was just awesome. I, I've been meaning to add, I forgot about this too. Um, this is, I'm trying to find the name here. Oh, Alex Simmons. Thanks, Alex. Um, who got the, the home run ball? So it lands in the, the grass. Yeah. People going for it. Who got the home run ball? Do you know? Uh, a drunk Cubs fan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he fell on it. He was he was hammered. Um, no, he got the I, ball. Yeah, yeah. Him and his buddy came down after the game, and he wanted. I think he wanted the private jet. I think he wanted. <laughs> uh, he ended up with um, signed bat, maybe a team bat, maybe something from Albert. Um, but it, it was so. He, I mean, he was so hammered. But he, uh, I ended up getting the ball. I have the ball. Um, and you he, have a he got somewhere. Um, it's actually just in my parents' basement. With I, I kept some of the other baseballs that throughout my career, um, and so they're just hanging out with the with the trophy and everything, just in boxes downstairs in my parents' basement. But um, yeah, I have it, which which is real cool. I wish I knew where the helmet went. I have no oh, idea. Yeah, where that, yeah nobody knows. Where, somebody and, has it, but no, nobody knows where that went. And I guess like your uniform got shredded and then that's, yeah, yeah. I have half of it. You got half and, and then, then MLB's got the other half. The yeah. The whole, the whole thing. I, I think, um, either the state Bush stadium had my half. I gave it to him for a little bit and then they just gave it back to me. I think that's how that went. Um, but the hall of fame has the bat and, uh, the Jersey. I remember after game six, the hall of fame came up and basically told me to save the bat and use it for game seven. And I was like, hell no. Like, I'm going to shatter this thing tomorrow night. <laughs> and, like, I don't care about superstition. I was 0 for 3 that in game six, and then I switched to that bat. So, like, 
like take it off my up. no yeah but like i i mean i let them i i, I just used another bat and i had a big hit my first at bat in game seven yeah. um with the ribbies and um you know and um yeah that was sweet tying that game up but uh yeah they i was like take this off my hands i don't want i don't i don't want to have a reason to use this tomorrow because if i snap <laughs> if i snap it that'd be brutal it would be I'll yeah. wrap it up with this. Uh, again, this is presented by Budweiser, Wells Fargo, Shelter Insurance, Scott Credit Union. The fans are just loving it. A chance to catch up with the 2011 World Series MVP, David Freeze. What are you most proud of? As, as you look back on your career, now you're officially retired. You had a, one of the greatest games, if not the greatest game in baseball history. Uh, the ups and downs. What, what are you most proud of in your Cardinal career and just in your career in general, too? Um. I think just pushing through, it's cliche, but I'll be honest, there was a lot of times, whether it's my view on baseball or just my mental weakness at times, but like there's times where I just was done with it. I wanted to quit and it was never during the season. I always respected, um, you know, I signed up for this, let's rock and roll. But like the off season was tough sometimes where I was like, I've had it. Like I, you know, like I was just move on, but um, man, I'm glad I didn't. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with, playing in October uh, I was going to quit after if I didn't get traded to the Dodgers I was retiring you know I knew I got I was a year away from 10 years but that really wasn't important to me but I was just done but um, man just pushing through like the idea of respecting your future understanding how grateful you should be that's one thing I <clears throat> I think I've always been grateful but without like the focus of it you know, like really itemizing, what am I grateful for? That's really changed me instead of just like sitting in the clouds, being grateful, like really understanding what you're grateful for on a daily basis. That can, that can change your brain. Um, but just pushing through Cardinals, the rest of my career, um, you know, just, I don't know, like that. I'm just, I'm just self, you know, selfishly proud of that for, for a lot of things. And I think you can show a lot of people what you're made of if, if you just take a breath and understand that everything's all right, you know, and, and just go about your business, you know, respectfully in a mature way. I don't know. It's so well put. And I know our fans love this. I, when you were with the Cardinals, I, I just loved watching you play and visit with you on a personal level. You know that. And me, me too, Dan. I, I miss seeing you around the ballpark, but uh, what a, what just a hell of a career, man. It was so much fun to watch and so much fun to catch up with you. You're doing great. Yeah. You look great. Cool. And thanks. We're going to get you to the ballpark a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, come, I'll come up and hang out with you. <laughs> I love it. You want All a right. job in the booth? I got other guys. Can we, <laughs> no, we come I'll on do, up. I'll do it for free one night. That's all, that's all I got for you. <laughs> I love so, it. All right, cool. I, well, I appreciate it. it, Dan. Good awesome. luck with the Thank baby, you. too. Thank you, Thank you guys. Up. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Lafayette High School's own David Freeze, forever and always, not just a Cardinal, but a St. Louis legend. So great to have you on the program today. Appreciate you listening. Hope that you really enjoyed it, that it brought a smile to your face. If you liked that, you can head over to cardinals.com slash townhall. There are similar discussions. John Mosaylock, uh, Mike Schilt, I believe Jim Edmonds joined Danny Mack at one point, so there's a lot of good stuff to be had there. Plus, there is other programming available. You can check it out at cardinals.com slash programming. It links to our YouTube, to our podcast to what's going on with our partners, Camel X and Fox Sports Midwest. If you're missing baseball right now, 
Cardinals.com slash programming has just about every type of variety that you could want. Something to listen to in the car, something to watch at home at night with the family, something short to tide you over, something long to really dig into on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Whatever kind of content you need, Cardinals.com slash programming. So glad to have had you here. also want to remind you that you can check out our resources as the community battles COVID-19, cardinals.com slash support, both uh, resources for you as you want to help others and if you might need help as we all stand together against this virus. Thanks for joining us this week. My name is Brett McMillan. We'll check you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.